It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say right. I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB sports app now. Today, Karen and I are joined by Denise O'Sullivan. Denise, thank you so much for taking time out to chat to us. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you girls? Good. You've just come back from a very nice holiday. I saw some nice photos on Instagram. I was enjoying it, pretending as I sat in wet and windy London, I was like, oh, I could be in somewhere nice like that. <laughs> yeah, I went, went to Mexico for seven days, so that was nice. Good break. Mm. I'd say you need it as well after all the Christmas festivities and stuff. It was quite nice to get yeah. <laughs> away. It was that. nice to just chill, yeah, be away from the family for a bit because they're crazy. <laughs> so that was that was nice. <laughs> I'd say Christmas in your house is mental with like even just the amount of siblings you have plus any extended family onto that is it must be, make for quite a lot of fun but a lot of chaos too. Yeah, it's crazy. There's like 30 of us in my mom's house Christmas morning. <laughs> kids running everywhere yeah it's mad mad it's nice though it's good yeah and you've always said that you're quite a big like home bird and stuff that you love your family you love getting back to Cork I suppose a good place for us to start is to maybe like take you back like to the start of your footballing journey and like how you first got into playing and you said before I think that you used to just go out and play in the streets with your brothers and stuff yeah I used to go out after school and stay out there for hours with my brothers and their friends all boys usually. Um, and then my aunt would like scream my name at like seven to come in for dinner. And that's when I would go in. And yeah, I would be out there all day. And then I joined the boys team. So um, in Nakanahini, there wasn't much girls teams back then uh, for me to go to. So that was only a five minute walk over the road. So I decided to to join that team. And I was there till I was 11, 12 years old until the rule came in that you had to leave. So yeah, that's where I started off was street, a lot of street football. And when you were playing street football, like were you doing it just for the crack or were you looking at it in terms of this could be something that I could, you know, do for the rest of my life or actually do in a professional capacity? Yeah, I, I loved it, but I don't I think I was just having fun then. I was young, I was like five years old when I started playing with the boys. So I think it was just for fun. But then as I got older, I knew like I wanted to go professional. Um so yeah, I think playing with the boys was I think it stood to me now. Um, back then when I used to play with them, they were just always stronger, faster, everything. So, yeah, I loved playing with them. And I, at the time, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go and join a girls' team at the time. Um, but you had to then. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you felt about that rule when, like, did someone have to, did one of your coaches have to come up to you and say, Denise, get, you're off now. Like, you have to go play with the girls. Yeah, I never knew there was a rule back then. Obviously, I was so young. But, yeah, I, I assume one of the coaches just taught me that. I had to leave and I think I, did. I had a similar experience. I think I was kitted out for a game and their girl, we had been just breaking the rule for half the season and their girl was not allowed to play and they were like, Hey, I'm pretty No sure. way. I definitely cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was devastated, honestly. Yeah. Even there, I was absolutely devastated because I loved it so much. I had my own little um dressing room. I think I was actually in the referee's room. Same, I had the referee's room. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it was, it was great oh, they were the good days yeah, yeah. it was very good <laughs> and what was it like then having to adjust to as you said like the pace and everything was a bit higher when you're playing with the boys how did you adjust then going into the girls side like was it as not as bad but like was it as different as you expected it to be and, and did it take you time to adjust or were you kind of already at a certain level that you were just having fun playing football anyway so it didn't matter 
Yeah, I think the playing with the boys stood to me going in when I joined the girls team. I think I was just that much that much better uh, going in. I think because of playing with the boys, it really did stand to me just uh, technical even, just getting so many touches on the ball with them. As I said, they're faster and stronger. So going into the girls, I think I had that bit of an edge. Um, and I think still to this day, that's where I got my aggressiveness. I know I'm I'm small, but I'm I'm aggressive. So I think that's where I got it from, like playing I with the boys. The thing, yeah, that's the thing that takes most people by surprise. Like people would ask me who the strongest players on the team are, and I always would put you up there because like I don't know what your core is made from but I've never seen you shoved <laughs> off a ball and it's it's upsetting for someone who's about twice your height who can't get the ball off you but that's definitely a feature of your game and, and one that surprises people because you are so technically good but you also have that strength um, and that's why I like seeing you in that kind of box-to-box role because you can kind of do what mm-hmm. you're kind of to me the whole midfielder um, so you're, I'm getting to see you a bit more in that role now which which I'm really really enjoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I think I definitely got it from from playing with the boys, just growing up all those years, street football, playing with my brothers, being so competitive with them, them pushing me, fighting with me all the time. So, yeah, I think that's definitely where I got it from. I was going to say, you definitely don't sound like you come from the sort of family where your brothers went easy on you or any of your siblings went easy on you. <laughs> oh, no. We used to fight all the time. One of my brothers, honestly, he was painful when I was growing <laughs> up. He'd come and watch my games and on the sideline, like, he would scream at me. He would not take it easy. He'd be like, what are you doing? And all this stuff. So, yeah, they definitely weren't easy um, on me growing up. I'd say it was good, though, to have that competitive spirit instilled in you from a young age because I know anyone I've ever talked to about you I work with ESPN a lot of the time so I interview a lot of the US players and I remember Sam Mewis saying to me last year about your competitiveness and again your strength and all that sort of background she was like I just think it's been instilled in Denise from like such a young age and she just takes it with her everywhere she goes (laughs) yeah probably um again going back to the boys and I think it's just in me anyway I'm very passionate about the game and I want to be at the best of my game. So everywhere I go, I try and bring that competitiveness with me and just go out and work hard. And then, you know, things will things will follow. Good things, hopefully. Another thing you've taken with you is your accent, which everyone's really happy about. <laughs> that you haven't lost that along the way. We've had a few controversial accents come, come out of America and England and places like that. But you've stuck to your roots, which is great as well. Oh, I'm actually very happy you said that, Karen, because going back home, my family are like, what, what is that accent? I think it's just, <laughs> I think it's just some of the words I say come out like in yeah, the American Yeah, you probably accent, have to speak a bit slower for the Americans as well. Oh, I do. They're looking at, <laughs> yeah, they're looking at me stupid. <laughs> I watched a video you and Diane did like a couple of months back to like promo the courage and it was just like you guys saying different words and stuff and the American players just looking at the two of you like what are these oh, yeah. all about that, <laughs> that video that video was comical that was quite yeah. funny <laughs> I had like ESPN American editors sending it to me being like what is she saying Where is <laughs> what, what do these words mean <laughs> oh that's brilliant <laughs> yeah it is fun though doing stuff like that like I know working in an international company I introduced everyone to the concept of Naligniman and they were like this right. is such a cool idea and of course being Americans they just loved going back with that it was <laughs> like going around all these slack channels and stuff they're like mm-hmm. Irish they're great <laughs> no it is good to do it's interesting to see the girls try and say these Irish words and guess what they are they honestly have no clue here when we try and say Irish words are hilarious you will have your own little secret language <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> 
when it comes, you say there like you're really passionate about the game and that for you starting off playing with boys was really important and I suppose that's a bit of a conversation that we've been having in a national capacity the last couple of months with Spearpow introducing more well playing with boys even though like I think a lot you kind of said for a lot of teams would have done it anyways mm-hmm. is that the sort of thing that you would like to see like promoted from a young age because I know they do it quite a lot in the Netherlands like for their players and obviously we know how great their football team is like the national side that both players play together from a young age and one of Mm -hmm. the things they found from that is that the girls develop physically but the boys actually develop tactically smarter as well so there is I think it's something we don't talk about enough is that Mm -hmm. while it's great for the girls on the physical side it's actually really good for the lads as well because they learn a totally different set of skills too so mm-hmm. is that like yeah. the sort of thing that you'd like to see a bit more, I suppose, from I a think, younger age, encourage? I, I think so, for sure. Um, I think just coming from my own perspective and my experiences, I think it helped me a lot. So to see other girls, young girls coming up and playing with boys, I think it would be really good. And just from my experience, I think it would stand to them. So, yeah, I would definitely like to see more of that, more girls training with boys because I know it helped me and it would be good it would help them too I think for sure yeah it would make the girls more I suppose technical and faster but because mm-hmm. girls don't have that their speed of thought has to be better so that's right the that the boys can learn from it as well and that's very much ignored a lot as well I would think but exactly um, it would be up to the girls to kind of push that and show what we can bring to the boys game it would obviously have to be up to a certain age group um, but then we should have the structures in place to develop our teenagers and, and keep them going in that way. Um, yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully that's on the way. Um, things like, you know, the development squads and stuff that we used to have when we were younger, some of them have dwindled, mm-hmm. but I think they are coming back, which is good, but they should definitely be supplement, supplemented with those underage. Um, oh, for sure. I used to love playing in like the emerging talent and stuff. Same. They were Small like... pages with boys moving really quickly. And then yeah, exactly. those ones when they came was great. Yeah, exactly. And training a few times a week with them, good quality coaching, mm. like in those emerging talents as well, really stood to me. And yeah, I would, I would like to see more of that in in Ireland now, and you know that development. But yeah, it's it's going in the right direction, definitely. But I'd like to see more to do. see more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, people like yourself are definitely part of the face of it changing as well. Like considering you're probably one of Ireland's most successful exports that we've let go to another league somewhere with the. <laughs> everything you've done with North Carolina and just the general fact that whenever you look at say the Euros this summer one of the names that keeps coming up that people are sad aren't going to be there is you and there's always that talk of like a world-class player that might be missing from the tournament or who who are some of the top players that should be there your name comes up consistently so I think we can definitely say that the experience did stand to you I say those lads are sitting at home in Cork now being like "Ah, yeah I used to take Denise Sullivan out of it all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah they probably do say that to be fair but but yeah um obviously the biggest thing is getting to a major tournament and that's all I want right now. That is the focus for the next for the next year is try and get to that World Cup. So fingers crossed. Obviously, like every Irish player that has come on has said that making that major tournament is their big goal for this year. Um, it would be incredible, absolutely historic. I think the country would go wild. We've seen before how quickly Irish people are ready to get behind a team that when they are performing on that international stage. But to take a back a little bit before we dive into that I suppose when the first time you like pulled on an Irish jersey in whatever capacity like underage 
what was the like what feeling did you have amazing and I think still to this day it's always like putting on for the first time again I still feel that like before every single game I have butterflies in my stomach I'm nervous all the time and obviously once I get my first touchdown I'm fine but I think it comes back to that feeling of making your debut for the senior team or playing underage for the first time and yeah it's it was a very proud moment for me and my family obviously and still to this day it's just I'm filled with pride to to play for my national team and how do you kind of keep those nerves at bay before you're on the pitch because there is quite a lot of build-up to these games especially now with I suppose how much more prominent the team is compared to a few years ago you know there's a lot more media appearances there's a lot more people Mm -hmm. talking about how the team's actually performing which is great but I'm sure it changes things for you guys as well in terms of just having to block out the noise slightly on a game week or a game day yeah that's it it's just focusing really um as I said I always get nerves but it's just trying to keep that focus um you know preparing as well as I can before a game in the locker room just listening to music that's that's really my like go to is just listen to music sit down relax don't even try not to think about the game too much to be quite honest and then um yeah once as I said once I get my first touch on the pitch I'm absolutely fine the nerves are are gone and yeah the million dollar question follow-up there it has to be what is on Denise O'Sullivan's pre-match playlist we had Katie McCabe on the like on our clerking podcast a few weeks ago and her playlists are live on Spotify and she just didn't realize <laughs> well, <laughs> Katie's the DJ yeah she's the DJ and she has pr- pretty good music for a game so I would not take over that music because my music taste <laughs> is not very good so I'm pretty happy I'm pretty happy with what Katie plays beforehand uh, we'd be all rocking on in the dressing room we'd be dancing and yeah it's it's pretty good we're just it's waiting not- for Carol Carol to make a return you know just for my playlists, is it? Because no, <laughs> that's no, all no. I can offer at this point. Just class playlist. Medium <laughs> water girl. Although that kind of seems like too much effort at the moment. Oh, Not even a few dance moves, Karen. Oh yeah, anything, I'll be anything. Yeah, I'll be there for the after the game part. It's just the actual game part I might struggle with. <laughs> I've had a big Christmas. Oh. <laughs> um, and then to. So to look at your career generally, it's kind of interesting to take it from like the very start where you read anything that's been written about you and you were very much like a home bird. You weren't seeing yourself moving out of Ireland. Uh, you were offered the scholarship with Bristol initially that included like a university scholarship. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. quite a big deal for someone in women's football at that age and at that time. It's a bit more prevalent now but even now it's kind of rare enough to get those sort of opportunities so can you talk us through that a little bit like your thought process at the time just so we can look at how that has utterly changed and the fact that you spent <laughs> most of your career now in the U.S. which couldn't be farther from well I know it's crazy Cork, but <laughs> yeah um I think I was around 16 probably 16 17 when I got that offer to Bristol and I actually went over there with my sister and I think my mom came as well Um, met the coaches, like went around the campus. Um, and I was pretty eager when I was there. And then I was just back home. And honestly, I think it was at 2 a.m. in the morning and my dad was down watching TV. Um, and I went down to him and I was like, I can't go. It was just during the night I was thinking about it and I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this right now. So I just made that decision. And um 
And then a few years later, I think when I moved to Glasgow, 18, Glasgow City, uh, they were calling me for weeks. I would not answer the phone. Still at that stage, I would make my mom and dad pick up the phone and answer for me. And um, I was trying to avoid the coach. But then it just came to me. I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the move after a couple of weeks. I had a really good think about it. And then that's when I moved to Glasgow. But yeah, I was always, always a home bird. Never wanted to leave. Loved my aunt's cooking. Just loved going training and just having my own, I guess, my own comfort at that age. It was just being around my family. Obviously, I'm the youngest of tennis also. Um, but then I just made the move. Yeah, I just decided to go. And I think joining Glasgow City was was a big step up um, at the time for me going to that level. Um, and I really learned a lot. The club was great to me, made me feel comfortable. So I was there until 2016. Yeah, so that was, I think that was a really big move in my career for me. What was it that changed within, because obviously like the ages to say 16, 17, 18, 19, you do do, well, most people do quite a lot of maturing or like their lives mm-hmm. change because there is a massive difference between being 16 and being 19 for a lot of people. It tends to be the time you're finishing up school or you're going into apprenticeship or whatever it might be for you. What mm-hmm. was it that changed for you from getting that offer from Bristol and then the offer mm-hmm. from Glasgow? Yeah, as you said, I think it was just maturing. I think, um, yeah, maturing and also just wanting to push myself more. I think I'd done what I wanted in like the National League and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing was definitely just maturing at that age and, um, you know, going over there, finding my feet. And when I went there, my family would visit me all the time. And I think that made me very comfortable. And within a year, I was I was really comfortable going around on my own, very independent. I learned a lot uh, from different experiences there. So I think the biggest thing was definitely maturing. Yeah, and you were, you were established. Mad to say that you were actually established in the senior team at that point when you went over as well. So you had that yeah. confidence behind you in your own ability that you would be able to go over and make an impression, whereas maybe you mightn't have had that at 16. You might have just needed that extra kind of, oh, I can do this. I'm a senior international now. Now is the right time for me. Exactly, yeah. Um, having that experience as well, being around the senior camp and you know being around the likes of Yvonne Tracy, Cara Grant, getting all their, their experiences as well. Um you know, just getting advice from them, I think that really, really pushed me on and just having that confidence in myself to, as Karen said, just to say, look, I can, I can do this. And once I got there, then um, after a year, I was absolutely, I was loving it there. Was there any of your coaches or any people on, say, like the Irish side, whether it's at like league level or international level saying to you, I think you have the capacity to make this step to like a different league or to go abroad or was it just very much something that you were getting this interest from Glasgow and you yourself thought I want to do this I definitely got advice from um coaches a good few coaches even coaches in Cork um and Sue Ronan was the manager at the time so I definitely spoke to Sue about it and yeah I was being pushed on to definitely make that move that they, they saw um talent in me and said I could go over there and you know do big things I guess um so yeah I definitely got advice from a lot of people um, a lot of different people friends family coaches and I think that pushed me on to make the decision to go and there was probably a point when you were at Glasgow for a couple of years where people were kind of saying because you are so good why don't you move to England at this point or why don't you move along why why did you stick there was it just because you had that homely feel or you just felt like you had more to prove at Glasgow before you left what was it that kind of kept you there honestly I think I got comfortable yeah that's it yeah, yeah I was just comfortable there and 
Um, I was really enjoying it as well at the time. Mm. And I think moving from there to Ireland or from Ireland to Glasgow, I did improve um, in that time. So I think I just got comfortable and I was enjoying the girls there. And um, yeah, I think that would be honestly the biggest thing. And was it that feeling of comfortableness that kind of shocked you into a move then all the way to Houston Dash? Or was it, again, just another case of a club coming along and saying, hey, Denise, you want to join us? Or what was um, it there? Because that's like, from everything you said to then go, oh, I was quite comfortable and happy. And then I moved halfway across the world. Yeah. It is quite uh, Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. I didn't think I'd ever do that, to be honest. But I think I always wanted to play in America. I saw there was something about it that attracted me to it. And we actually, I don't know if you're there, Karen, you probably were. We played uh, USA in, did we play them in Portland's pitch, Oregon, maybe something like that. Um, and afterwards, I, at the time, my agent, uh, someone contacted him and said we're interested in Denise coming to Houston um, and that time I was in the contract with Glasgow so they had to buy me out of it um, and I think that was that was the time I was just like I need to get out of my comfort zone and you know push myself even more obviously <laughs> halfway across the world I didn't think I'd ever go that far but yeah it was just yeah getting out of my comfort zone then and um, when they came in with that offer I think it was just a big offer for me to and just something that really attracted me to go and play in America. Um, so I just done it. Just went with it. <laughs> it was a massive time of general upheaval for you with your dad passing just a few days before you went as well. So it must have been, I can't imagine how it must have been from uprooting yourself in so many different ways, flying across the world, joining a team that you, I mean, you probably recognize a lot of the players from the international because the team was quite good at that stage. But like, I, what was your feeling when you first, like when your feet first hit the tarmac? I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> Honestly, I was. Um, obviously, obviously, having my dad pass away and stuff, it was just even more like it was scary going there, um, leaving my family at that time, leaving my mom. Um, it was really, really hard, but I knew I had to do it. And actually, before he passed away, he told me, like, you need to do this. We were speaking about it the whole time he was in hospital. He knew I was getting the contract and Unfortunately, he passed away before it got announced and all that stuff. But he was urging me to encourage me to go there. Um, and yeah, when it when it came about, it was I was scared. I didn't know anyone halfway across the world. Still very young um, at that time. Um, but I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And my family wanted me to do it. So it took me a good a good year again, even more, I think, to to really find my feet there and know build that confidence and it was really tough going into the Houston team I think that that standard from Glasgow was even a few steps higher so yeah it was tough but it's obviously now looking back at it it's what made me who I am today like and it made me stronger so it was definitely a great experience it's interesting you say that it was tough like when you look back at your first season and how much time you played and the impact you made straight Mm -hmm. Uh, like straight away you made an impact on that team do you think that the football element was almost just because it was something to concentrate on and it was a thing that even if you were going from a different standard it was something you could concentrate on you could develop you could work on and could have control over to a certain extent during that year because you were I mean like you look back on your stats from that season and they're great (laughs) yeah yeah it was definitely just a big distraction for me obviously going through that tough time and then going there going into a fully professional environment I think that was that was the main thing, you know, training every single day, 
Um, it took my mind off a lot of things and the only thing I wanted to do there was improve. That's the whole reason why I went there. So I just uh, I just stuck at it. And there was times where I wanted to I wanted to leave. I was like, I'm very home like homesick. So um but I just stuck at it and uh, you know, just gave my all every day. And that first year was good and I mean the second year wasn't as pretty <laughs> at Houston, <laughs> but but definitely the first year was a great experience and yeah, I definitely improved from it. Yeah, it's cutthroat. It's cutthroat over there. So to go over and make your mark in the way you did, like that must have really stood to you as well. Obviously, you said the second year wasn't as good, but you'd kind of proven yourself at that point. Um, so when the second offer came in from North Carolina Courage, what was that like for you? Because you must have been a little bit disillusioned being like, I am good enough. Why am I not getting the time I deserve? Right. Yeah, um, I was actually about to go to Germany, which is crazy. <laughs> I was honestly almost like I almost signed a contract. And the way it works in America is if so, I went to Houston. I said, I'm not happy here. Like I need to I need to leave. I was going back to national team. I wasn't confident because I was getting two minutes on the pitch, which you're never going to be confident. So um, I told them I wanted to leave and they told me, yeah, you can leave only if you go to if you don't go to another team in this league you need to go overseas. So I was like, cool. Yeah. And like, no worries. So <laughs> I went out on a waiver list and within 24 hours, you have to get picked up. So I was just like in the unknown um, planning to go to Germany, packing my suitcases. And I always remember sitting down, having a coffee and I got a phone call from the courage being like, we want you down here. Um, we see like talent in you. We think you could play here and um, you would fit this team. So didn't really have any control over it. That's the way the league is. Mm. Um, they were like, all right, your flight's booked for two days' time. You're going to be down here. <laughs> so I was on the way to North Carolina then. And yeah, going into that environment, that hit me. That hit me hard because I did not expect it. Um, just the training environment was so different from the first team I was at, Houston, like 10 levels up. No disrespect to Houston, mm. but um, just like the drills, you have to be two steps ahead all the time going in there. It was really, really tough, but. I definitely improved from it. And then as the time went on, it took me a good while to actually get game time. It took me six months, I think, to really get into the starting 11. But I always remember the coaches just telling me, like, keep keep doing your thing. You're going to get your opportunity. And once I once I got that opportunity, I actually played in the number 10 when I got there first. Hmm. And I, the coaches at the end were like, at the end of the season, they do a review and they said, we don't see you as a number 10 here. You need to be scoring goals. You need to be assisting and, I wasn't doing it. So he moved me to uh, the number six role. And that's where I just took off from there, uh, playing in that more defensive role. It just really suited me with the courage. So yeah, still still playing that role and it's it's going well so far. That's a bit of an understatement. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> yeah it's fine. It's it's fine. It's no, fine. I'm not one of the feeling in the world. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, and like you did have I suppose going into that Courage team they had quite a lot of success in the years that followed within the NWSL what was it like being on that winning side because it's probably something that knowing you you enjoyed quite a lot (laughs) oh it was unbelievable I always remember winning that first championship it was like incredible it was in uh, Portland in front of 25,000 and their fans mostly um uh, so the atmosphere there was unbelievable and just winning that championship it was just like a relief to me honestly it was one of the best moments in my career I think um winning that and 
I think the team has that mentality, a winning mentality. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to, to be there now. I'm really enjoying myself. So it's going well. It has been like, it hasn't been the easiest couple of seasons for like a majority of reasons. You first you had COVID and then you had the whole allegations within the NWSL and Courage were obviously very much in the center of that storm. And it was a difficult season and even just playing wise mm-hmm. for the club. I don't think anyone would say that the team performed to the levels that they were expected to. Although admittedly in the playoffs, you did lose to Washington Spirit, who went on to win the whole thing. But again, mm-hmm. if you had asked me at the start of the season to predict who was going to win the NWSL, I think very few people would have said Spirit. It was quite a, a sort of shock win, but fair play to them for doing it. Looking back on all that now, what is like, how are you feeling going into this season? Because obviously there has been a lot of change. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of things happening for the players on the pitch and off the pitch was like the Christmas break was that just kind of like a perfect time to reset going into 2022 oh definitely honestly at the end of last season I think everyone was just like let this be done yeah (laughs) like let this season be done we were so I think the team was just so mentally drained it was it was crazy like the things that were going on there but I think going home to family and all the girls going their ways spending time with family I think that was really refreshing and good just to take our minds off things and um, but now I think we're all ready to to get back into it again. <clears throat> As I said, there's a there is a lot of changes. We have a new coach now, um, a lot of new players coming in. A lot of our players that have been there for years with us have left. Um, so it's going to be a, a new a new team, I think, and it's it's exciting. I'm really excited for it. I think this the league is getting better. It's grown. Uh, there's two more new teams coming in as well um, this year. So that should be exciting to see that but yeah I'm ready to get I'm ready to get going I'm like itching I can't I can't sit still I'm like a mad <laughs> crazy person I feel the same way with Sligo coming into the WNL and that right that league. <laughs> we're gonna storm the league I think I'm with Sligo today Sligo. so I keep teasing Karen oh, you are? yeah and they're playing the first game of the season against Karen so I'm always no like, way no that, that, that should be interesting yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i will definitely be either screaming at karen from the sidelines trying to put her off or <laughs> hiding my shame whenever we have to record something together <laughs> oh, um you talked about new coach coming you were there he's been with the club for a long time and obviously came in straight after the allegations what like what role did he play in the whole thing? So I imagine for any coach coming into that role, it would have been daunting, and especially mm-hmm. having to guide the players through that. I mean, we saw scenes here like of the, during the matches after everything came out, the like all the players gathering together at the sixth minute to like in the middle of a match to join like arms and kind of a show of mm-hmm. solidarity for players. I remember sitting in my kitchen in Sligo, I think it was like 2, 3 a.m. watching it and like just tears streaming down my face because mm-hmm. it was just so powerful. But for a coach coming into that, like what did he do to... I suppose, just carry the team to the end of the season because I imagine that's probably how it felt at that stage. Yeah, honestly, he was amazing when he came in. Um, I don't even think it was about... He didn't care about winning the championship. He didn't really care about winning games. He was there to support us and that's all that mattered at the time was him coming in if we needed to speak to him or anything like that. We just knew that there was someone there that we could trust and I think that was the biggest thing. And I think he'd done a great job... um, bringing that trust and, you know, letting us know that we can trust him with anything. So I think that's the the biggest thing he done was 
for us to just go and speak to him or just he just he was just there to support and football didn't even matter at the time uh, honestly during all that as you said you were tearing up there was players on the pitch crying like that was in the middle of a game which was it was really hard to see so yeah he he's a great guy and he's an amazing coach as well um so we're really excited to have him on board now yeah, I was listening to a video, like a podcast with him just earlier in preparation, talking to you and just the way he talked about like supporting players and because I think a lot of his background is in academy roles as well and like taking yeah. all the way up. And I imagine that experience of guiding people when like young players are possibly at the most volatile stages of their careers because they're going through such massive things. You know, you're getting your first contracts or clubs are getting interested in you mm-hmm. and you're still developing all your skills. I imagine all that probably helped him quite a lot when it came to dealing with the players and the team at that stage because everything was so volatile and we just didn't know day to day, never mind week to week, what was going to come out or if like Lisa Bard, the commissioner um, stepping down, you just didn't know what was going to happen next. And I imagine that must have been incredibly difficult for everyone involved. Yeah, it was. It was just, I can't even describe it. It was crazy. Like we were on Zoom calls for hours upon hours and just waiting for updates, not knowing what was going on. So, um, yeah, as you said, Sean has so much experience from, you know, um, coaching younger girls as well. And um, I think that really stood to him coming in with us. He was with us since the since I've been there as well. So uh, he's been on the training pitch with us all the time. We've we have relationship with Sean now. Everyone does, and he's he's really a great guy. So I think we're lucky to to have him in. And I think the club was also really good. Uh, during that difficult time as well to to players and offering services if people needed it so um I think definitely the break was good but I think we're all excited now to to get back to it yeah you said you're itching ready to go it's a big year in terms of things like to put all the North Carolina Cloverage stuff behind you and go into a new season and then also as you mentioned earlier we obviously have World Cup qualifying which Karen and mm-hmm. I spent practically every week of our lives talking to players <laughs> <laughs> and trying Dissecting. to give our calm encouragement to get us all to Australia and New yeah. Zealand in 2023. <laughs> Seriously, how, let's go. How are you feeling going into the qualification, like the 2022 side of the qualification period? Yeah, I'm excited. I think the teams have to grow on a lot. Um, I think we're in a good position, but we obviously have a long way to go. Um our first game back is against Sweden in April, so um, that should Keeping be interesting. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We may as well go head first into it and get it done with, but obviously they're an amazing team, and I think to get anything over there in Sweden, like a point, would be fantastic, but they're the best team in the world, one of the best teams in the world, so it's going to be really difficult, but I think the other the other games... Go ahead, Car. I just think that the, it stood to you the first time, though, getting that game done and seeing, okay, right. this is the level. And then you went to Finland and actually they were shell-shocked with the pace that you brought to that game. Um, so yeah. hopefully kind of a similar pattern can follow. Maybe not the Slovakia slump, but I know. <laughs> the other pattern, <laughs> hopefully that will follow through this time too. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're a fantastic team. And I think it did stand to us playing them first um, just to experience the level against them um, but obviously the other games that we have after the Sweden game they must win and mm-hmm. I think every single player knows that that we have to win those games to be in with a chance to get like second place so I think the team's in good spirits and everyone's excited for for the year to come for sure. Looking as someone who has been involved in the senior setup for so long 
and I've asked a few players this over the time that we've been doing the show, but what is it about the last like year or so that has, I think there has been a change of maybe not necessarily attitude, but I think everyone can see that the team has stepped up to a, a different level. Mm-hmm. Everyone is and like that has trickled down in the sense that the media are more interested, you know, we're getting way more of game analysis. We get to see lovely Karen on TV every time there's a match giving us analysis. We do. And she's great. Yeah, great. <laughs> they're being battered in Tala by Windsor. <laughs> Better than running around in the wind and rain. <laughs> no, we, we would prefer that, Karen, actually. No. So <laughs> You're not the first person to come on and say that either. Um, but for you, what is it that has kind of changed within the team? Or what is, like, is there just the fact that football is getting more increased professionalism and it's just now mm-hmm. trickling down to the Irish squad as well I think it's um individual players I think getting better I think that that would be it I think years ago we wouldn't be a fit team um we would have struggled there and I think everyone coming in is in better shape they're holding themselves to um a higher standard so I think that's what it is I think players are coming in more fit they're coming in more eager um and yeah they're just more ready I think coming into camps and I think if every player takes that responsibility, then the team is going to be better. So that's what I think it's come down to is players looking after themselves, playing at a higher, a higher level. You see a lot of players obviously moving to different clubs. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the main thing. I wonder, does every player just have like a little screenshot of one of your heat maps from a game, like up on the wall, looking at it and being like, right, that's what I inspire to fitness levels. After every game, I think that's what I go looking for first on Twitter is how much has Denise Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of players are similar. I mean, you see Heather Payne in the last few games, which was, yeah. I mean, I've never seen anything like that girl against Finland. She... I don't think she took one, like she didn't stop for one second. I don't think I was like, wow. But yeah, even Heather, like coming in and playing to that standard, that really stood to us in this campaign. And mm. I have to give her a shout out because I think she's been absolutely amazing uh, for this team and just see she's grown and maturing into a really good player. So yeah, yeah having... people are starting to kind of talk about her in the same breath that they would have talked about you and Katie coming up. And obviously we see exactly. the two of you kind of like the top standard there. And she's definitely the person who you feel like she's next to get to get to that mm-hmm. um, and that's really exciting because we need more and more players like that but she, exactly. yeah, she's been incredible yeah she really has so I'm definitely uh, very excited for the next the next few games and hopefully we'll be meeting up in February as well if the world is is good <laughs> willing honestly <laughs> yeah. I think I think everyone is hoping for that to come I through. know <laughs> one way or the other <laughs> right um, well, Denise, thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely lovely to chat to you and best of luck with the season, both with Courage and with the World Cup qualifying. Obviously, we will definitely be reaching on from that side. Oh, you will, yeah. Thanks, girls. And I'll send you on a few playlists, Denise. Yeah, do, please. I really need it. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. 